Hello! Welcome everyone to a bonus episode of Bottomless Broadway where we talk musicals over mimosas, blah blah blah. We're super excited to break our hiatus and come to you with an episode of the Off-Broadway, very fucking hard to get tickets for classic, Little Shop of Horrors. I'm Cindy here with my co-host Christine. Let's commemorate this the fact that we're doing our first Off-Broadway Woo! review. I know. We're branching we're out. <laughs> too posh for this bullshit. <laughs> Anyways, do you want to describe this musical in five words or less? Um, cost more than Broadway tickets is what I'm going to say. <laughs> Which they were, yeah, we never pay this much for Broadway tickets. We, I guess we should have gotten tickets earlier, but who knew it was going to sell out? Yeah, so what are your five words? Okay, so I'm so proud of myself I literally just like came upon this as I was listening to the soundtrack just now I think it's my favorite line from the musical and it's also exactly five words and it's this vegetable must be destroyed what was it that that reminds me of there's like something else where it's like this This Jesus must die yes yes that's exactly it this is literally a talking point for me so I'm gonna stop you okay okay we'll come back (laughs) you wanna you wanna tell us you wanna tell us what the show is about Sure. Also, because this is a revival, we're just not even going to bother with a spoiler alert. Little Shop of Horrors is about Seymour, who's like a dorky, impoverished, socially awkward, aspiring botanist working at a plant shop owned by this dude named Mushnik in the seediest part of town, Skid Row. And there he works with like the middle school crush of his life, Audrey, who's like a beat up Jessica Rabbit come to life. And he comes across this flytrap plant one day that he adoringly calls Audrey 2, but it turns out that Audrey 2 eats human flesh and blood. But the uniqueness of this plant brings him a lot of fame and recognition and wealth, which he's not used to and has never had, but he has to reconcile with how willing he is to become a murderer to keep all of that. Great. I mean, it's just your like friendly neighborhood man-eating plant show. So, exactly. Um, Perfect. So I told you earlier today that I found out this is actually set in like New York Skid Row, not LA Skid Row, like I thought, which I'm still confused about that because according to Wikipedia, so this was based on like a movie um, that was not a musical. According to Wikipedia, that one of the changes from that original movie was they moved it from LA to New York. But then I was listening to it again. And in a song, they're like, oh, we got called up to do all the flowers for the Rose Bowl, which is definitely in LA. And that wouldn't make sense to, like, have all the flowers come from New York. So I don't know where this is set anymore. Maybe it's just, like, a universal Skid Row. I didn't know this was a real place. I just assumed it was Oh, Skid Row's an actual... Like, Skid Row's basically a general place for, like, the ghetto, kind of. But Skid Row in LA is, like, fairly famous, I think. Um, Skid Row in New York, I looked it up, is Bowery. So, like, remember when we went to that plant shop on Sunday? Like, that's basically where we were. So it's, like, my house. Fantastic. All right. Well, first, we have a jingle. Well, first, first, we have, um, and this is actually kind of interesting, we have a quote, like, voice not unlike God telling us on the 21st of September, like, shit went down. And it's also funny to note, because this is Mencken and Ashman's second musical together, who they're known for, like, basically creating the Disney musical. What's their first? Their first musical together was called God Bless You, Mr. Rosewater, which I actually did see because Encores did a production with, like, Santino Fontana and stuff. But they also had a character voice, not unlike God, which in that production was played by James Earl Jones. So that was cool. So we have 
a jingle? We have a jingle. Okay, I have thoughts on the urchins. I thought it was weird how they kept drifting in and out of the plot. Because, like, you know, they're they're meant to be, like, a Greek chorus kind of thing. Um, but then sometimes they're also, like, part of the plot. And we can get into it later during um, The Meek Shall Inherit. But, like, most of the time they're just, like, kind of commenting on things, like, singing stuff in the background with, like, great harmonies. But sometimes they also get to be real people. And I feel like that transition didn't feel super smooth when we were watching the show. I was okay with it. Like, they are sort of real people, but they represent just, like, a general, like, caricature of a person Mm -hmm. on Skid Row, I guess. So, like, when they're part of the plot, it's, like, they're in there. And usually when they're just, like, singing back up and commenting on stuff, they're sort of just, like, the gossipy masses that are watching this go down. They're interesting. I don't understand, like, if there's symbolism in their costume changes. Oh, I didn't. I didn't really I feel pay like attention has to, to be. that, to be honest. Well, you know, in the end, though, they came on in this, like, the sequin dresses, oh. which is, like, really well known for their their yeah. outfit. Um, I mean, they are based off of, like, girl groups of the time, like, 1960s girl groups. And they actually they have actual names. Like, the names of the urchins are Chiffon, Crystal, and Ronette. And those are just three different girl groups. Like, there's the Chiffons, there were the Crystals, and there were the Ronettes. So... That was definitely a nod to them. And so the sequin dresses kind of is also like what they would wear. Huh. The cast the cast page is just chiffon <laughs> in urchin. Yep. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny, but it is. I, oh, so I kind of had, like, not really an issue, but they were like, um, the way they open the show. So we have like voice, not unlike God. They're like. And the terrifying enemy surfaced, as such enemies often do, in the seemingly most innocent and unlikely of places. And then they come, the urchins come on and start singing uh, Little Shop of Horrors, the title song. But I was like, if you're going to end with, like, the seemingly, like, most innocent and most unlikely of places, wouldn't you want to, like, a song that has the place in it? Because the second song is Skid Row, which sets the, the setting. So, I mean, I like the song a lot, but it, it seemed like a weird thing to do also the other thing to note about this song is it kind of sounds like sherry from jersey boys like it has the same like intervals it does because i keep getting it stuck in my head and then it morphs into sherry Row. I love Skid Row. I feel like it's the most, well, it's less of a plot driven song. Well, it becomes an exposition song towards the end, mm-hmm. but the beginning could just be like any song. Yeah. It's like, here's our town and here's our characters. Little Shop of Horrors, I feel like describing it as a jingle works really well because this is like the true opening number. It sets the stage for everything. Right. And it's still like started by the urchins mm-hmm. and they're pretty solid i don't know i really feel like they their range wasn't that good for the song but i mean whatever i mean front row sometimes there's sound issues i think like i feel like because most of the time the sound booth is in the back so they don't really care about the people in the front so it just sounded to me like Mm. their mix was off and whether or not that had to do with their actual singing i'm not sure but um 
I feel like they got it together later. I mean, the girl that started the, like the alarm goes off at seven. That one was amazing. Everyone was like, oh, shit. I mean, the first half is just like, I hate my life and I hate my job and I hate yeah. my apartment, which just like describes most people. So and quote, I'd do anything to get out of here. Just one of yeah. those songs. Just a pretty woman song, basically. Yeah, basically. Yes, you go. Downtown, where the cabs don't stop. Downtown, where the food is slop. Downtown, where the hop heads flop in the snow. Down on Skid Row. Um, but then Audrey comes in, basically talks about her boyfriend immediately because she's just like, um, she's like where the guys are drips downtown where they rip your slips blah 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 so that's her entire characterization like Audrey is about as well fleshed out as a Disney prince well so she's basically like that girl who's like I know I'm in a bad relationship but it's the only relationship I'm gonna get so I'm just gonna stay here and yeah that that is basically her character um, but like she's super hot and also like but there's um, no guys in skid row apparently but also like this has this is like a super old musical and she says so many times it must be like three four times in the musical where she's like oh but i can't date seymour because i have a history and then i'm like what is your history spit it out she just like he's like i have a history i'm like okay. oh i just assumed that was like She's like, oh, I'm this, like, jaded, kind of scarred person. Like, I have too much baggage, is what I assume that to be. And Really? Yeah. I was thinking, like, she used to be a hooker, and I need to know this backstory. <laughs> I thought it was just because, like, Seymour's kind of dumb and, like, kind of simple. And she was like, oh, no, like, he needs someone, like, also dumb and simple. Like, I have too much baggage yeah, for him. That's the perfect guy. I like dumb boys. Well, I don't like their, like, I don't like the fact that they're dumb. If you're if you're watching them in a show, they're cute. Well, here's the thing: like Seymour isn't. Oh, uh, that's bullshit. Sorry, he's stupid. Let's move on. I was gonna be like, he's not dumb. Like he made a living for himself with a death trap. <laughs> the, no, forget yeah, that. No. He's fucking I, stupid. I, yeah, I get a little frustrated with him later on, so we'll get to that. Yeah, but yeah. So so we meet all the characters. We know Audrey's hot. Um. I think also the other thing is that Audrey in our show was played pretty straight as a character. Like, she's apparently supposed to be, like, super ditzy, like, kind of an airhead. Um, So, like, maybe that's also part of it. And she's just supposed to be, like, very vulnerable and very, like, fragile, I think. Which, like, I feel Mm -hmm. like we didn't really get from our performance. Like, our performance, she just seemed like a normal hot girl that was stuck in Skid Row and had no better prospects. Dadu is the story. Yeah, he gets this plant from like some sketchy ass Chinese dude, which, as far as New York geography goes, that checks out. And that's true. <laughs> yeah. Well, this was our first glimpse of Christian Borle, but not playing Orin. But he was just like that was a pretty good entrance when Mushnik, who runs the flower shop, is like, "Who else? Who would ever want to come here just to look at a, like weird and exotic plant?" And then Christian Borle comes in and he's like, wow, is that a weird and exotic plant? I know that this show is dated, but in exactly which decade decade was owning a cool plant the craziest thing ever? Apparently the 60s. This guy became like Kanye the moment that he got his hands on this <laughs> plant. And like, I feel like there were still better things even in the 60s. 
it was also funny because it would like bring people to the shop and even though they don't buy this cool plant they come to the shop to look at it and then feel obligated to like buy other plants which i was like okay yeah christian pearl is like i'll take a hundred dollars of roses yeah and so i was like that was a lot of money yeah in the six yeah i was like all right cool that's that's the like campy side of it we'll just let that slide like that's that's fine well next up we have pretty much our first groff solo well not really but the same tune as the do like basically but it's so funny i really like grow for me yeah it's a good song it was like a why don't you love me song <laughs> yeah. with the plant in a very close and personal relationship. Yeah. With the plant. Um, and I love like all the things he tries. He's like, I've given you Southern exposure. Um, I've pinched you back hard. Um, I've tried you at levels of moisture from desert to mud. Um, and then and then he finds out that the plant really is out for blood. So he starts pricking his fingers. He's just like, he's like, oh, you want blood? And he's like, I guess a little bit won't hurt as long as you don't make a habit out of it. I'm like, how exactly is this plant not going to make a habit out of right. this? Like- you have <laughs> a baby plant who is asking you for blood. And it's the only thing the plant will eat. Or maybe he genuinely believes the plant is sick. So he's like, this is your Motrin. Now get better and start drinking water again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Basically, he's dumb. He's he's so dumb. And then and then later on, they're like, "Will you teach a class at some university about botany?" And I'm like, "No, he doesn't know anything." <laughs> he literally like only cuts himself. Well, not even cuts himself. He like pricks his fingers. Yeah, and then he's very distraught about it. He's like, "I have no more blood." Whatever. I've given you sunlight. I've given you rain. Looks like you're not happy unless I open a vein. I'll give you a few drops if that'll appease. I don't know the next song. Like, I actually don't remember it. Okay. I was about to say, I've listened to this every time. And, like, every time I listen to it, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like this is a cool song. But I can never recall, like, how it actually sounds, like. I could not sing it to you. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's also mostly like an urchin song. Um, they're just like, wow, look at this guy. He just came out of nowhere. And now he's great. It's like, it's literally like zero to hero. Like they literally say he was number zero. Who'd have thunk he'd become a hero? Like foreshadowing for Hercules. <laughs> Let's go. That's when, um, Alan, or when Howard Ashman discovered that zero rhymed with hero. Actually, I don't even think he worked on Hercules. Seymour was in a bunk. He was number zero. Who'd have thunk? He'd become a hero, just a punk. He was a forgotten so-and-so. Somewhere that screen is our first Audrey solo, which I'm not that crazy about. It's one of the like quintessential I Want songs, and you can definitely hear a bit of reused melody from that for um, Part of Your World in little mermaid and alan menken even like in interviews he's like yeah we used to call it like somewhere that's wet because i just kind of redid it so (laughs) somewhere that's wet yeah i mean it's mostly notable in like the very end and some of the the choruses yeah 
like when she says somewhere that's green. It really sounds like part of their world. Basically, it's like any other poor person trope, like in a kind of self-aware story. Um, it's like, and it, it, they do try to make it fun. Yeah. And they're like, I want furniture that's covered in plastic to prevent it from getting dirty. Like, I don't want to be comfortable. I want it like, I want it to look nice. Um, but like, we'll get to the reprise later. But I thought the reprise was actually really funny. But yeah, she's basically just like, and, and she even mentions in this song, she's like, oh, like I have this daydream of like being with Seymour in like at a place that's green. And so she knows that, like, like I thought originally coming into the show that Seymour was going to be, like, have a secret crush on Rod- Audrey. And then he's like, I named it Audrey 2 after you. And I'm like, it's not <laughs> And this song is, like, some parts are a little stupid. Like, the part when she's like, I'm going to cook, like, Betty Crocker but look like Donna Reed. It's like, okay, you're an airhead. But also, like, some of it is witty enough that it's kind of hard to believe that she's that dumb i don't know because like everything she says about what she wants is like actually really cute and kind of funny and um she actually is self-aware enough to know that her boyfriend is a sadist yeah a semi-sadist um, semi-sadist most i like i don't know what the semi is there for that's just for extra syllables because they need <laughs> it for the song because he's a sadist but yeah there, she wants the frozen dinner with like, while watching TV. Yeah, which, like, comes shortly after her talking about how she's going to cook, like, Betty Crocker. So I'm like, I don't know. It's true. I didn't uh, even notice that. So now we're eating frozen dinner? Like, is something wrong? A washer and a dryer and an ironing machine in a tractor that we share somewhere that's green. Close to renovations. I was, first of all, so excited for this song because we have been seeing a lot of like low budget sets and stuff recently. And it has been a while since we've had like a mid act scene change mm-hmm. of some sort. It was cute. It was like. I really liked it because it's a great like sort of patter yeah. song. Um, and they're just like, they're like, wow, we're so rich that we need to change the shop because. Now we have too many people coming here and buying plants, even though they only like us because we have this one weird plant in the window. And it's fun. I was really hoping they would somehow magically change the walls along with all the furniture, but the walls just stayed disgusting. It's not Beetlejuice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, we're still an off-Broadway show. Calm yourself. Yeah. And then and then we finally meet Oren. Talks about like how much of a how like when he was growing up, he's like, I used to like shoot puppies and like my mama knows noticed funny things I did, like shooting puppies with a BB gun. Um, I'd poison guppies and when I was done, I'd find a pussycat and bash in its head. Um, that's what my mama said. So and then <laughs> it's actually a pretty funny song. And because he's wearing this like leather jacket, so you think he's like some like gang member or something, and he's like no, nah, I'm just wearing scrubs underneath this because I'm a dentist and I'm like causing pain. You'll be a dentist. You'll have a talent for causing things pain. Some be a dentist. People will pay you to be inhumane. Like plot wise, Oren comes to pick up Audrey 
and sees Audrey too and sees Seymour. And I think he's basically trying to run Seymour out of town because he's like, yo, if you took this somewhere else, you'd make so much more money because you're just in Skid Row right now and no one here has money. But like, just go anywhere else and you'll make a fuck ton of money. Well, I wasn't sure about that because at first I was like, oh, maybe he's trying to get rid of Seymour because he knows that he has a crush on Audrey. But then like when they meet later on, I don't really get that vibe from him. He's like, oh, I thought like, you mean when they meet later on as in when Seymour goes to the dentist? I I thought that was him being like, all right, I'm ready to kill you now. Like as the dentist (laughs) being like, yeah, or like, or maybe it's just him enjoying torturing people. But I I thought it was kind of like oh cool like well you're here so i'm gonna kill you because you're definitely after my girl but it seems like i feel like if murder was on his mind he would have been a lot more concerned about the gun right because seymour's holding a gun but he was just kind of like ha you're funny so it seemed like he like wasn't worried about animosity i mean also like a total wimp so i don't think he believed that (laughs) seymour would actually kill him Jonathan so, Groff was like, truly not cute as Seymour. Yeah, I was so impressed with whatever his hairdresser did. I think it was like uh, like 90% in the hair and like 10% in the glasses. The was hair like, was mostly just like cover his face. No, no, just cover his face. Just cover his entire face and then no one will know because his hair was like just like matted down his forehead and everything. And they were like, the less of his face we see, the less attractive he becomes. <laughs> Which is like the opposite of what everyone else does in their life. Since we're speaking of Jonathan Groff, I wasn't super impressed with him until like, um, until Get It slash Feed Me, that song. It maybe didn't really suit his voice, like that sort of like talk speaking that he does a lot in this show. Like, I was like, well, like if I hadn't known who Jonathan Groff was, I would have like not even like given him a second glance. I would have been like, oh, cool. Like he's like doing the job adequately, but like. I wouldn't think he's, like, an amazing actor or anything until, like, later in the show. And maybe part of that is because, like, Seymour's not supposed to be, like... The thing is, like, even Somewhere That's Green, despite it not being, like, the most fun song, is clearly, like, meant to be a vocal show-off moment kind of thing. And Seymour doesn't really have a song for that. It doesn't feel like he's, like, meant... Like, he's not given any songs to show off either. He has a lot of, like, voice time but a lot of it is very lighthearted, and the range on Seymour isn't that wide so I feel like a lot of people could have played Seymour if they just cast Jonathan Groff yeah I mean like in um feed me there's that part like after he makes the decision to feed Orin to Audrey 2 when he's like on the table and singing alongside Audrey 2 and I thought that I was like okay this is what I'm here for like if you're here to see Jonathan Groff sing like that's the song you want and I thought he was really good in Suddenly Seymour I mean in the Broadway cast um it's Hunter Foster who plays Seymour and I thought like his type of voice he has like kind of a and I think it's probably an affect like he's doing it on purpose but he has kind of this like almost squeaky kind of like a little bit of an edge of like annoying nerd voice um that he uses which i think suits it a lot better and jonathan groff doesn't really do any of that his like nerd acting is also just like i'm gonna make myself small and shake a little yeah like yeah you do that you don't know what you're doing (laughs) yeah like rewinding back to when oren's like trying to run him out of town or something so mushnik again the flower shop owner hears and Mushnik is the guy who, like, 
picked him up off the streets and was like, here, you can have a job here, but I'm also going to just like insult you a lot because you're really clumsy and keep dropping things and are a little bit of yeah, an well, airhead and keep forgetting Seymour's things. like, I'm but thankful then, this guy took me off yeah. the streets. And then he's like, I hate this guy. I don't want to work for him. And then Mushik has like the same vibe. He's like, I saved him from the streets. And he's like, I hate this guy. Why is he working for me? <laughs> it's very mutual feeling. Between yeah. But yeah, and then so we um, get to Mushnik's like, oh shit, like, if Orin is trying to convince Seymour to leave, like, I'm only getting business because of this, like, crazy plant, like, Audrey 2 that Seymour has, and, like, Seymour will probably take him with him, and so I gotta give him a reason to stay. I'm gonna adopt this kid, because what this like, kid Seymour wants is Seymour wasn't family. trying to leave. Basically, um, Orin was, like, straddling him, um, like, emotionally. He was emotionally <laughs> straddling him, and he was like, you need to live, and Seymour was like, okay, fine, and then... And then, much like a K-drama, that's the one part that Mushnik overheard. And he was like, well, fuck. My son, how would you like to be my own adopted boy? I never liked it much before, but count the cash that's in the drawer. I've got no choice, I'm a two-four, say yes. What for? Seymour, I want to be your dad. And then, basically, we have this whole, like, um, this is the part we were talking about where... Seymour like is like I'm out of blood and it's like well oh and get it I was shocked that this was an act one finale yeah it feels like an act one finale but I see like the thing is I see why they put they made the act one finale after um now it's just the gas because they're both turning points I think it was difficult to start act two on now it's just the gas and so they like had to do it that way well, there's, like, two turning points, like, back-to-back. Back. And, like, the first turning point is basically um, Audrey 2 coming to life and speaking to Seymour and convincing Seymour that it's okay to feed a human to him, to Audrey 2. Well, like, specifically Orin. Yeah. He's not really, like, just kill people. He's like, but that guy deserves to die. Audrey 2 is very manipulative in how he convinces uh Seymour to like start killing people step by step right so like the first one is just like don't you hate that guy don't you want to get revenge um and that like he like starts changing the motive as the plot goes on Mm -hmm. which is super smart for a plant I mean he also is just like is like making all these promises that like realistically as a plant he would not be able to make happen he's like i can make you rich i can make you famous i can make audrey like you and like seymour like kind of buys into all of that because before now like no one's really liked him except maybe audrey but she never really said that um and now that audrey too is there like everyone really likes him and so well also the vegetable is very confident. He's like, have I ever lied to you? Have I ever broken a promise to you? Like, come on, like, look at me. You spoke to him once. Yeah, he's <laughs> like, look at me. I can give you everything. I'm like, it's a plant. He's rooted to the ground. Yeah, like, like I don't know where he's going to go. Yeah. So <sighs> That's why so Seymour's yeah, stupid. <laughs> it really is. So yeah, so that's why, like, that's the first turning point is, like, Seymour, like, conveniently in the middle of the song, when Seymour's like, no one deserves to be fed to a plant. Like, Orin comes in, kind of slaps Audrey around and leaves um, with Audrey and, like, kind of insults her a lot. And then, and then like, Seymour looks at Audrey, too. And then they both just start, like, singing together. And he's like, all right, cool. I'm going to kill this guy. Like, I'm on board now. And so it 
it does seem like something that would um, be the closer for Act 1 because it's like, all right, this is a turning point. But then, and it's an Audrey two and Seymour duet, which is like, of course, this should be Act two. Like energies, I mean, of course, it should be finale. Like the energy's high. Yeah. Like the revelation of this talking plant is immense, and for the first time, Seymour has a purpose in life, and he's on a fucking table. Like in another world, the next scene and song would have just been actually like bonus material. Like, because I feel like this all could totally work if you didn't even have that whole scene. Like, because you can like reference it, you can like make. I think part of it is just like the way that Orin is killed is funny and it also like kind of absolves Seymour of guilt. But, like, you could totally do the show without that song at all. Now? Like, I mean, you might have to rewrite it a bit. But, like, when they originally wrote it, I feel like this song, they were like, well, we have to show that Seymour's, like, not actively killing him because he's still a wimp at this point. Um, but, right. you know, if you think about it, you could have ended on that and started um, Act yeah. 2 with, like, the aftermath. And have it be, like, this ephemeral right. sort of, like, well... Because we could all assume yeah, that exactly. Warren's dead. But also, they had to give Christian Borle a song. Yeah, it is really fun. And Christian Borle, like, hams it up. He's great in this. He wears a face-distorting gas mask. So, okay. So, the story is, Seymour decides he's going to kill Orin. He goes into his dentist office with a shotgun. And he's, like, ready for his cleaning or whatever. And then Orin obviously hates him. So he's, like, really excited to pull his teeth or whatever. And he's, like, I'm going to amp this up by, like, getting myself some drugs. So he has a special gas mask that he apparently saves just for special occasions so he can just, like, pump gas into himself. And he's getting high. Yes. But it's, like, an intense mask, I guess. And then the mask gets stuck on his head. But he's laughing because of the high. And so the entire time he's like, oh, I know I look really happy and it's really funny. And ha 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 However, I am dying. It's just the gas that's making me appear this way. Yeah. And then Seymour just sits there on the dentist chair, like not really sure what to do. And he's like, I'll just pretend like I'm dumb. And I truly think he's enjoying this so that I don't have to feel any of the guilt. So he's like feeling the guilt but he's like this is how i'm gonna cope with it yeah and he's like holding this gun and he's like wow i didn't even need this he died so close to me like so because so yeah so the gas mask distorts his face so that he looks like two eyeballs for the most part and then when he collapses on the ground and like act one ends his head is like so close to my face that's the end of act one we do get a scene, like, right after that of Seymour, like, tossing an arm into Audrey 2, um, right before the end of Act 1. Right. And then he yeah. throws the dentist's shirt right. into Which the also, trash like, can. I was like, did he rip off Orin's arms? Like... Um, well, well, here's the thing, right? Because, like, larger Audrey 2 could eat a human whole, but, like, she's still too... He's still too small right now. Mm-hmm. So he probably had to cut him up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that must have been a fun job. What we have here is a tricky moral problem. Do I help remove the mask or let him go for lack of air? Couldn't shoot him when I tried, but the fates are on my side. I can off the guy by staying in the chair. 
And then the curtains closed and you bought a plant. I did buy a plant. Like a fucking weirdo. It's a great <laughs> plant. It's You can't even see it. I yet. know. It's only seeds right now. But it's in this little container that says feed me. So if Cindy <laughs> suddenly starts doing this podcast alone, then you, you'll know what happened. <laughs> well, right. We don't know it's a money plant. It's just seeds. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. If you disappear, I'll have to find something better than rat poison, apparently. Or jumping into the plant with a machete. <laughs> Dumbass. <laughs> um, okay. But yeah, so act two. Um, there's still, like, business is still booming. I'm honestly, like, the score, the score is fine. I don't know. I haven't really fallen in love with a lot of the songs yet. Um, I really like it as, like, a whole. As, like, a whole. Yeah. yeah. I mean, also the plant songs are great. Yeah, the plant definitely has, like, the best songs. But I am surprised that Alan Menken, to my knowledge, hasn't written, like, another rock score. Um, like, I think he had a few songs in Gallivant that were like you know rock based but i don't think he's written another rock score which is very surprising to me what has he done lately anything um well i mean he wrote the new songs of hercules which were wonderful I yeah those were actually really good which we never ever reviewed because we we're like no one's gonna see <laughs> this again um i just thought it was kind of weird because he like a lot of the plant songs are very good we'll talk about suddenly seymour first which was referenced in six Oh, is it? Did you not catch it? Like, when they introduced Jane Seymour. Oh. Yeah, because she says, like, um, let me just find it. When my son was newly born, I died, but I'm not what I seem or am I. Stick around and you'll suddenly see more. Mm, there it is. Um, so, yeah, suddenly see more. I mean, I think this is the best Seymour song, even though it's a duet with Audrey. Because even in Somewhere That's Green, Audrey still holds on to that, like, doll voice kind of thing but in this one she just like is like you know what i'm just gonna i'm just gonna belt now i guess it's the best showcase for both people in that sense i don't love the song it kind of holds the same level of goodness with me as somewhere that's green it's just like there's nothing wrong but it kind of slows down the show and i had heard this before because like everyone does covers of it and i was really confused before i knew the plot of the show even after I knew the plot of the show, I was like, the fact that it's suddenly Seymour, like that that's the title, doesn't really make sense. Because when I had only known the title, I was like, oh, does someone like turn into another person? Like you're suddenly Seymour instead of like whoever you were in the past. And also like he refers to himself as Seymour. And it's like, yes, he is just referring to himself in third person very randomly. I didn't know that this was a non-movie musical first because... um that's surprising because I always just assume that they named him Seymour for the purpose of this song mm. because it's like she sees more in him. Oh, okay. Okay. Shit. What's that other song where the girl's like, I've always thought you. Were... Oh, oh, um, History of Wrong Guys. History of oh, Wrong Guys yeah. and Kinky uh-huh. Boots where she's like, I thought you were weird, but now I see you as blah, blah, blah. So I, so I always thought it was like that, like she sees something more in him. So she likes him. I mean, like, I guess she always liked him, but now she's like, I can actually date him. Yeah. Um, so I just assumed that they named him for the purpose of this song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But so I'm surprised that it was like a non-musical first. Right. Yes, you 
best song in the show, we both agree, is Supper Time. Yeah. And it's short. It truly has like two verses yeah. and then it just goes into like and it, it, It's one of the songs also that does a great um it's like a great musical number because it moves the plot forward. It intertwines with the actual dialogue spoken during the scene while carrying the song. Um like it doesn't feel too jarring when it switches between song and dialogue because like Audrey too is sort of this like sinister voice in the back of um, Seymour's mind because Mushnik is starting to get suspicious about Oren's death and Seymour suddenly um, being really close with Audrey. And so the plant is like egging him on. He's like, Hey, like he knows like you need to get rid of him. And look, I'm a convenient flesh eating plant. Like I could help you get rid of him because He's just going to cause trouble for you. And it's like, it's just so well done as like the sort of like devil in the back of your mind kind of thing. Right. And like, even though the rhyme is simple, it's so satisfying when he's like, he knows your life of crime. I think it's supper time. Yeah. It's just like, it hits so well. Like you're expecting it and it like comes so nicely. And also, um, it's like the second time the plant convinces Seymour to kill someone. And this time it's like more of like a, guilt slash blackmail thing which also i think this was like the best acting moment in the show for jonathan groff mushnik is like okay cool like if you say you didn't do it which i feel like mushnik knows that he did it anyway but seymour tries to deny it and mushnik is like well if you say you didn't do it let's just like go to the police because they've been like sniffing around like we'll go to them we'll just tell them we know nothing like just give them a statement and then everything will be fine and like seymour just like like kind of freaks out but it's this very cold realization where he like doesn't actually twitch or anything he like stands in a corner and he's like okay cool let's go but you should get today's receipts first and i hid them in the plant for safety so you gotta like crawl them in there but like i feel like the way that jonathan groff just stood there and kind of said it i got chills at that i was like oh man this is the line and he's crossing it like, how do I get to the receipts? Just knock. <laughs> no, that's bullshit. Like, if you can knock on something and it opens, it's clearly alive. You got no place to hide. But now I catch you kissing the dentist's girlfriend. You got nowhere to run. And it begins to look like a motive. He knows your life of crime. Once he's out of the way, you move in, right? I think it's supper time. I'm actually shocked that Mushnik would be so willing to turn him in. I don't know. I thought maybe Mushnik would be like, oh, let's just like hide this well, together. Well, I think it comes back to the idea that like even though he technically adopted um, Seymour, he doesn't actually care about Seymour that much. Like I think he cares a little because you kind of have to. But I feel like he's he would rather save himself. Mushnik is like, there's suspicious red spots on the floor. And I'm like, he didn't even wipe away the fucking blood? Like, that's his job in this shop is to clean the fucking shop. Oh, it's his first murder. He clearly does not ever properly wipe the floor. That's like literally one of the things that he does just like as he's on stage taking up space. And I'm like, and still you fucked up. Clearly, he just never had to do this in his life. Like, my family's trash can at home like in California, gets taken mm-hmm. out once a week, right? If I'm throwing out like a bottle of wine at home and I don't want my parents to know that I've been drinking, 
I will literally like walk to the other side (laughs) of our community and throw it in someone else's trash can. Like I put more effort into pretending like I'm not an alcoholic (laughs) than Seymour does in pretending like he's not a murderer. And like that's some white people shit. (laughs) Well, maybe Mushnik was like, this guy was always dumb growing up. He probably hit something in the plant. Like, who knows? Yeah. Um, But yeah, so Mushnik also dies. Kill count is now at two. This whole time, Seymour's just gaining a ton of fame. Everyone wants him. Christian Borrell's back because you can't just waste Christian Borrell like that. He's back like 16 times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, like, basically, the Meek Sean Harrod is just a bunch of people um, being like, oh my God, like, you're so famous. We want to do a TV show with you. We want to start a line with you. Like, and, and Christian Borrell plays all of those people. He's just like, like he, he walks on from one side of the stage, gives him a contract, which like basically feels like Seymour signing away his soul, walks off, the urchins sing a bit, he walks on from the other side of the stage in a completely different outfit, gives him another contract, Seymour signs away his soul again, and it like rinse and repeat like four times. Yeah. Oh, so I didn't really have that much to say about the whole like this vegetable must be destroyed. Um, so it does remind me of, um, this Jesus must die. I don't know which musical comes first, I guess, but like the meek shall inherit the earth is a Bible verse where they're basically like douchebags get nothing in the end. The meek shall inherit the earth. Um, so I don't know if it's on purpose. I think Jesus Christ Superstar was, it's 71. And when was this? 82. So it could be a sly reference. Um, yeah, so it could be. Yeah, I hope it's true. I like. I hope it's a reference. The other thing I did want to say, I I think this song is actually just fine because, like, I mean, all the parts that Christian Borle sings are like just fine. But like, I think the Meek Shall Inherit that the urchin sing is pretty catchy. But I love the Seymour part because he sings in like third act of the song, and he's like, "This is gonna be my future. This is why Audrey loves me." Like. I need to do this, but wait, no, like I'm going to be killed. Like he has this like internal struggle and I I love this part. And if you listen to the original off-Broadway cast versus the original Broadway cast, um, one of the changes that was made was they like fleshed out the band because the off-Broadway one only had like a five-person band because they were, well, they started off off off-Broadway and then they moved to like off-Broadway after a month because they were just like doing amazing. Um, But in that original one, they have this like weird sort of like, electronic um like that sort of like alien sound like in the background while seymour's singing um and they just like removed that completely in the broadway version and just added like Mm. a trumpet there and so and i feel like that was like i i like the original orchestration for that better because it's like the plant is sort of like Mm. exerting its influence and the plant is like obviously like an alien or something so my future's starting i've got to let it Future starting, I've got to let it stick with that plant in G. My bank account will thrive. Question Is this his at 11 o'clock number? Um, I think that like that one section he sings would be the closest to the 11 o'clock number he has, but then it falls from there very quickly. Immediately after his decision to do this, he's like, fuck I don't want to do this. <laughs> Well, yeah, because right afterwards, he asks Audrey, like, do you just love me because of this plant? And she's like, no, like, you're a good guy. And he's like, all right, cool. The plant's got to go. But he still does an interview before he tries to kill the plant. Maybe he's just nice and didn't want to didn't want to stand up the interviewer. 
of I think he was greedy. I think he yeah. was like because he was telling Audrey he was like, Well get that house and he was just like, Let me just get a down payment first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that is like the point is that like if if it was the same Seymour that had like been at the beginning, he probably would have been like, Cool, I got Audrey, that's all I need. But now he's like right. felt the allure of like having people the like thing. him and yeah. Yeah. And so he just takes it too far. So I do think that is correct. Um, and then he's like an old married couple with Audrey too. He's like, shut up. Stop talking. I'm trying to write. Shut up. It's a flesh eating plant. Why are you yelling at it? Yeah. He was standing like awfully close to it. I was like, you know that it eats humans, right? So he's like kind of manic by this point after he asks Audrey, like, and Audrey's like, no, I love you for you or whatever. And he's like, all right, cool. Here's a deal. Like, I'm going to do this and this and this. And he's like, like, oh, she's like, what's happening? Are you okay? Like, what the fuck is going on? Where's Mushnik? Like, you said he was go- visiting his sister or something. Like, why isn't he back? And he's like, no, like, there are too many questions. I can't handle this. Like, Audrey, go home. Like, I'm going to deal with some shit. And then we can, like, run away together tomorrow. Um, and then Audrey's like, what the fuck? Um, so she comes back in the middle of the night after taking a Somonex, which is like a sleeping pill. Which also actually helps with poison ivy. So I don't know if they did that on purpose. Um, but she comes back and she's like, I'm so worried about Seymour. And she like walks into the shop and I don't... Oh yeah, Seymour went to go get the plant some like rare steak because the plant just wouldn't shut up. Well, so I think the point of her having taken a sleeping t- pill is because... And then like in the beginning of that song, she's like, I took the sleeping pill, I tried to sleep. And then there's voices in my head that are like go to see more go oh, to yeah. see more so then when she hears the plant talking she probably just still thinks that she's hallucinating mm. yeah that's true and the plant is like water me i'm so dry like i need help and and like a dumbass well i guess it's not her fault but she does she steps too close to the plant and the plant like half eats her and like seymour gets back just in time to like pull her out of the plant but not enough to like stop her from dying so she's just, like, there and dying. But then Audrey has her, like, I truly love you moment where she's like, when I die, I want you to feed me to this monster so that you can get famous off of it. And, like, this girl is, like, both truly in love and truly fucking and, dumb. No, and then she was also like, I'm going to be part of the plant. And that way, when you water the plant, you'll be watering me. And when you stroke the plant's leaves, like, you'll be stroking my leaves. And I was like, this is some kinky shit. So yes, and then she sings a reprise of Somewhere That's Green, which is actually hilarious because she's like, look, I'll finally be somewhere that's green inside the plant. I was like, all right. It's like almost quirky, but it's mostly like, no, girl, no. (laughs) And she like actually says it explicitly, but I was like, once she started the reprise of it, I was like, oh man, I definitely know where this is going. You'll wash my tender leaves. You'll smell my sweet perfume. You'll water me and care for me. You'll see me bud and bloom. And then like a dumbass again, Seymour actually feeds her to the plant. Which here's the thing. Like, he pretty much knows he's going to kill the plant at this point. So I don't know why he's like actively making it stronger. I guess to fulfill Audrey's will. Like, I don't know. That's true, actually. Yeah, I didn't think of it that way, but that's a really good point. Right. He has all the he has a shotgun, a knife, like a cleaver thingy. 
Yeah, he rat tries- poison. That was the most lame <laughs> battle ever. He's like, here, take this rat poison. I'm like, it's not a rat. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I feel like rat poison is just like a trope in those kinds of movies. Like, I didn't think it can be killed with rat poison. But then he has a truly Sweeney Todd moment. Well, he's had it once before. Hold on. So, like, the first time when uh, – not the first time, but when the when Audrey 2 eats Mushnik and then, like, he's facing the plant, they also do the lightning flash. Um, and that's very Sweeney Todd. But then this time he's actually holding a giant fucking knife as he dives. He literally, like, <laughs> s- like swan dives into the plant with this knife. And then he's like, I'm going to kill you from the inside. And the plant's like, yeah, sure, you do that. And it, like, burps off the the knife. And so it's like, all right, Seymour, you were just a fucking dumbass. Right. It's because this plant's a mutant, right? No one knows what the inside of this plant looks like. It's not like, oh, let me dive into this Pinocchio whale because I know that the inside of the Pinocchio whale is cute and (laughs) pink. No one knows what's inside the fly trap. Yeah. Um, Oh, and then while this is happening, like, the people who come to interview him have, like, showed up at his door because it's, like, morning by now. And he's just like, leave me, like, go away. And and the guy's like, oh, no, like, we're going to take cuttings of this plant and we're going to, like, sell them to people because that's going to make a business. And then it'll be everywhere. And Seymour's like, what the fuck? No. And and this is, like, the plant's um, secret plan the whole time. Right. But then, like, without Seymour's consent later, because he's dead, the <laughs> company comes and does it anyway. This got me thinking, this isn't the first time I thought about this, but I feel like, like, sometimes, like, this fine line between horror movies and sci-fi movies are just, like, the ending. Because if it was, like, a happy ending, I don't know if it would con- be considered, like, semi-horror drama- genre, uh-huh. but it's, like, the notion that, like, oh, and then you don't see this, but and then they take over the world. That's right. Like the I mean, that's kind of like kinda... the the well, like so. Don't feed the plants is the finale, and basically the plant comes um, downstage toward the audience, and then like all the people that the plant have eaten have now like sort of grown into the plant. So the plant like flowers, and then in the flower are the faces of all the people it's eaten. It's pretty catchy. The finale. So yeah, so that's the ending. But the movie of the musical, they they filmed that whole ending and it took them like $5 million to do all the CGI and like film the ending and it taking over New York like King Kong style. And then they like had test audiences and all the audiences were like super into the movie until it got to the ending and they were like, fuck this shit. Um, and so then they changed the ending because they're like, well, this flopped um, because they got, I think like a 15% approval for that original <laughs> ending and they're like we can't make a movie on 15 percent approval um mm. so they they changed it where um seymour manages to save audrey and then and he like electrocutes the plant which is what kills it and then they um they like get there somewhere that's greenhouse like in the suburbs with the garden and the the thing is like the last shot i think is like an Audrey 2 bud. Oh. So there's like a, a mini Audrey 2 like in their garden. So it's still like a little ominous, but at least they like have a happy ending for now. 
Have you watched Rising of the Planet of the Apes, which is like the prequel no, to Planet of the Apes? Basically, like a disease spreads around the world that kills all the humans, so it's Planet right. of the Apes. But the end of Rising of the Planet of the Apes is just like this one person gets a disease, doesn't know, but then he goes on like a transcontinental travel. Mm. And he's like in the airport and there's just like a drop of blood coming from his nose and like that's how it ends. So it's like kind of oh. similar. Yeah. So they do have like a director's cut of the original ending, which I haven't watched yet. But um, heard it's hilarious because it's like not well edited it's not together. Fully edited. No, so like according to the Wikipedia page, they the first version of this movie on like um, DVD or whatever, or like whatever they released it on, it must have been VHS then. But they had the director's cut, and then and they like recalled the movie because that director's cut was like the shitty non-colorized version and like not edited together. So they recalled the movie oh, and like God. re-released it without the director's cut. And then, like, years later, like, one of the, the editors or someone who had worked on it was like, oh, yeah, I had this, like, actual colored, like, better edited version of it. And then they put that on, like, the bonus features of it. So We could put yeah. a link in. We'll do that. Um, I have a few fun facts. All right. Um, go for it. So 2003 was when it first came to Broadway, like, 20 years later, basically. And that was considered a revival. They had this tryout in Florida, which was apparently disastrous before the Broadway version. And it had like Hunter Foster, Alice Ripley was um, Audrey, Billy Porter was Audrey too. And it was like terrible. And so they like fired everyone except for Hunter Foster. They got like a new director. (laughs) Yeah, like so he got to stay. I don't know why. Um, But that's such a great cast. (laughs) I know, right? Apparently it was like super dark and not as like cheerful as like this well i was promised like a horror musical right. so it could have been a little scarier we were front row and it was not scary so. yeah um but yeah so they fired everyone except for hunter foster i don't even know why he got to stay maybe the new director liked him new director was jerry zacks who um is doing music man next season yeah i'm glad we saw it, it was really really fun and despite it costing more than Broadway tickets, it also had like a very um, Broadway worthy yeah. like set. They didn't skimp out on anything. So back, just like random background, we got tickets pretty much like as soon as they sold out on reasonably priced tickets, but right before they announced the extension. So we're like, well, fuck. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when does this open? Um, it opens October 17th. So soon, okay, soon cool. and just in time for Halloween. Yep. All right. Cool. So as usual, we are bottomlessbway at gmail.com if you ever want to give comments. We are also on Twitter at bottomlessbway and we now have an Instagram also bottomlessbway. So follow us there and we'll we'll probably post some pictures. I'll like I can post a picture of my plant that isn't a plant yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so that way you know what else to look out for. And celebrity yeah. selfies and Yep. Whatever the fuck there is. You can see what we look like. Instagram. <laughs> exactly. Because it's amazing. And we do also have a blog. We're starting a new series um, where we take a musical and pick one line from each song that we either we like the best or we think encapsulates that song. So you can find that at bottomlessbway.home.blog. Yeah. Otherwise, we'll probably see you guys um, when all the spring Tony contenders start rolling out. Yep. Um, but until then, bye. Bye. You know the book